Happy New Year and welcome back to the Low Maintenance Friend Podcast. As always, I'm your favorite low maintenance friend, Joss, and I am really, really happy to be back. Um, 2024 was a really, really good new year for me. Um, I did eat my grapes. Uh, Might not have been under a table, but the grapes were eaten, so the grapes need to work. But I am super happy to be back. I am a little under the weather, so if I'm like coughing and things like that, like I'm okay. I just woke up a little sick today. Um, but I am happy to be here. A lot of good things happening right now. Um, I'm back at home after traveling to see friends and stuff. Um, I got to go on my first cruise. I'll tell y'all about that in my low-key check-in. Um But yeah, let's get into it. So like I mentioned, I went on my first cruise and I'm going to be honest. I know that people love cruises. I know that like that's their bag, like put me on a boat and tell me not to get out. That's not my bag. I'm giving it like a good six out of 10. Like if it wasn't. So first of all, the the cruise didn't even take us where we were supposed to go. And so that literally stressed me out. And then it the weather really wasn't the best. It was kind of like windy and raining a couple of the days. And so we did a five-day cruise. I probably wouldn't do it that long again. Uh, but everything else was pretty cool, like meeting the people and stuff, like on the boat. Like, that was cool. Uh, I got an opportunity, like, just to, like, spend some intentional time with my family and celebrate my family. And so I'm always going to enjoy those moments. But would you catch me on a cruise again? Probably not. I just feel like you could just go to an all-inclusive resort and get the exact same thing. So if you're considering a cruise, I would consider an all-inclusive first. And that's just my tip. Take it for what it is. Um, What else? I got to celebrate the holidays. I haven't done one of these since I think like early December. So I got to spend the holidays with my family. Anybody um, who has a very close family, you know that that can be a lot. It was a lot. Um, so I'm good. I'm good back at home. I, I don't have to leave for, for a minute. Um, uh, but I love them to life. I love them to life. What else? I started back work this past Tuesday and my office is infamous for Tuesday meetings and they still wanted to have them. And I'm really trying to figure out why, like it was probably 10 to 15 of us in the office completely like from our entire staff there were probably 10 of us there why are we meeting what are we talking about everybody's like oh what are your new year's resolutions oh how was your break y'all i don't talk to y'all about this stuff let's be real i don't even want to be here so so work is working um i am excited though like for the new year what will happen with my career where um where I plan on going and seeing and doing this year. Um, I think that 2024, I've talked to like a bunch of my friends, but I think that this year is going to be very um, transformative in a sense of like just coming to like know yourself a little bit better. Like I do a lot of work of like therapy and reading and all other things, but I feel like this year we're going to get to know me a little bit better. And so I encourage all y'all to do some of those same things. Like, you know, if you if you don't typically read, maybe try to read like five books a year. I think that like, even if they're not like self-help books, because those are my faves. But 
if they are self-help books, like read like fiction or like murder mystery and things like that, like just open your imagination up a little bit more or um, use this year as an opportunity to try therapy and figure out if you like it or not um, or try a new hobby, maybe like do a marathon or something. There was this TikTok or this trend going around about labeling like champagne bottles of like the things that you want to accomplish for the year. I'm doing it. I got my mama to do it and I got one of my best friends to do it. And so I think that like that's a way to celebrate you. And so make sure that in this year you're celebrating you. That was not a chicken at all. I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> what else is happening? I really feel like this is. <laughs> Alrighty, child, let's get into this low-key tea. Y'all know that that's my real reason for being here today. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I just think that there have been a bunch of moving pieces going on since the last time that we did this. And I'm going to start with a big F you to Alabama, a big you deserve. Um, the, the saying goes, cheaters never win, or cheaters never prosper. And so uh, I hope that y'all take this time in the off season to really become a better team, you know, and not just get in places because you're Alabama. I think that this is the, the slow decline of Alabama, and I am here for it as a black woman myself. You know, <laughs> no, seriously. I just think that they, like, finesse Florida out of their spot, and so I'm really, really, really happy that they lost, um, like most Americans are. So, you know, feel I feel good about that. What else is new? Um, I did watch all two hours and 45 minutes of this Cat Williams Club Shay Shay interview. And I think that I was just as entertained as everybody else. I I think that everything that he said, he he felt that he needed to say. And I'm very happy that he found the platform that would let him say it without like challenging him and without like making him feel like he's crazy or that, you know, like giving him space to really like air it out. It reminds me of when young Draco went on the breakfast club interview and he was like, drag, drag. Those were the vibes that I got throughout the whole thing. It's like, let me bring truth into this. And I loved it. Um, they're saying you you have an unnatural allegiance to losers and it's not like you. I think that that's the motto for the year. I think <laughs> I think if we all move in this year with uh, an allegiance to winners, the year may go great for us. Um, he also had like a couple gems in there that was like, you know, anything I see that I want, I get. Let's move in the year like that also. Um, the devil can't give his people nothing. I, let's move with that. You know, like, really, like, it's funny, and he does throw a whole bunch of shots. Like, <laughs> like he really, like, lets it loose. But there are some really, really good points in there. And he talks about, like, you know, having seven kids, raising them, uh, being homeless, um, how he came into comedy and all of those things. And also, Cat Williams is one of the funniest people to grace the comedy stage. And that's undebatable. Like, that's undebatable. And all of these, like, other comedians are doing their reactions. And they're not calling him a liar. And so, I just want everybody to think about that. Just let that marinate for a second. Um, What else is going on? I heard 
I heard that that, that girl Bobby, um, she isn't she isn't interviewing black people anymore. We're gonna leave that there. Very nice, very nice. Also, if you have not watched Kevin Hart's Funny Marco interview when he was promoing his Netflix special, I also recommend that. Um, you can see a good juxtaposition of an authentic comedian and a not so authentic comedian. I'm gonna leave that there. What else is happening? Okay, so for those of you who do not get into reality TV, just skip like the next minute to two minutes. I'm going to try to put the um, the timestamps in the comments. But if you have not watched this Salt Lake City uh, season finale, actually put me on pause and go watch it. <laughs> Come back and listen. But put me on pause and go watch it because... The girls ate. The girls gave production. The girls gave dramatics. The girls gave us everything that we absolutely needed. Um, this season has been one of the best Salt Lake City seasons, if not the best. This finale is one of the best finales that I've personally ever seen. I heard that there was um, a Real Housewives of New York season finale that was like neck and neck. I don't watch Real Housewives of New York. So I can't I can't comment on that. However, this season of Salt Lake City started off with this new girl named Monica. She comes on and tells us that she is the one who reported Jen Shaw to the feds. Jen Shaw was a terrible person. I think that she needed to be reported. So the girls are naturally like riding for Monica. Like we like, yeah, you know, she's a truth teller. She she really gives it to you raw and uncut. Then you kind of see like her relationship with her mom and how that is very like toxic, draining, like even hard to watch as a viewer. So, like, naturally, we empathize with her, right? And, like, really, really strong housewife. <laughs> I mean, the chaos is there. The attitude is there. Not so much the money, but, like, nobody on Potomac has money, so I'm not holding her to that. Um, but all of the things. And so we was writing for this girl. Well, this girl had a fence up about her friends. Like, a fence up about all of the women that was on the show, and they found out on the season finale like it's suspect that they probably knew before they brought it up at the dinner, but it exploded and Monica was like, No, that isn't true. No, that isn't true. Well, actually it's not entirely a lie. Like great TV. <laughs> imagine. Just imagine. Like I said, go watch it. It was so good. Um the last thing I wanna talk about is um the president of Harvard resigning and my heart just, it just aches for black women at all times, especially black women in higher education and positions of power and just ways for people to really try to bring you down. And I understand that like being the first or opens the doors for more people to have access and opportunity. But at what cost, like at what expense? And like, we try so hard to be, three, four, five times as good just for what, like, not surprising, you know, Harvard, Yale, and a bunch of other Ivy League schools are also trying to um, not allow financial aid, which has its own other implications in higher education. They are trying to get rid of affirmative action and DEI efforts and all of those things. And so my heart just aches for this woman. And if you don't know, um, who Dr. Gay is, I highly suggest that, like, 
you kind of look up the story. There are just a bunch of things that are coming out about um, her and her position. And I just, I, I really, really hate that for her. The last thing is this movie, Leave the World Behind. I talked about it like all of December. After I watched it, I was like, mm, we should probably like run that back. Like we should watch it again. I don't do a lot of like movie wrecks unless I absolutely love them. And so I'm going to recommend this one. And just pay attention because I don't understand how the Obamas became producers. I don't know what their implications are. But I would say watch that and then consider the fact that um, I think it's Mark Zuckerberg is building a bunker in Hawaii. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I don't believe in conspiracies, but I will say that watch how people move in. And I think that's all we got for low-key tea. Honestly, I'm just a girl. Um, so this is the Let Me Call My Sister segment. And I'm super excited for, <laughs> for today's guest. This is one of my really, really good friends. One of my best friends. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna let you introduce yourself. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. Um, so introduce yourself and then tell me if you are a low maintenance friend or not. Um, we're gonna let Anomaly do his thing. So Okay. I'm here. Hello. <laughs> I'm excited to be here, excited to talk. Of um, course. What else would you ask me? Are you a low maintenance friend or not? I'm the lowest maintenance friend I've ever known. You like, think so? Okay, so what is a low maintenance friend to you? To me, you know, the friends you ain't got to talk to every day, but the ones that's going to be there, you need them. That's what a low maintenance friend is in my life. So do you think that your friends would consider you a low maintenance friend? Yes. My friend circle is small. I keep it real, real tight. So if you ask any one of them, they would say absolutely. <laughs> low maintenance friend. <laughs> I mean, I don't hear from, oh, I almost said my name. I mean, I really don't hear from her until, you know what I'm saying? Until it's time. <laughs> Until we need to. So, but I show up when it's time to show up. And you said they know this. They know this. We can call them right now and ask them. Ain't gotta no, we don't have to do that. It's okay. So, do you think that this is being, like, communicated, like, to them? Like, have I communicated to them that I'm a little interested? Yeah. Uh, no, I think they just know it. I don't think that there's anything to communicate. It kind of just happens. Mm. Just understand that uh, she's going to be there or she be there. She not, she not. <laughs> so what do you think your communication style is? Have you ever done one of those quizzes? Uh, for my communication style? Mm -hmm. No, nah, not that I can recall. But I think I'm a pretty effective communicator. I didn't always used to be, though. Like, so what changed it? Watching failed relationships and friendships. I think mm -hmm. And realizing that communication was an issue because issues are often very small when you're dealing with your close-knit relationships and friendships. But... They don't always get expressed that way. And then something that could have just been addressed very easily gets blown out into a who knows what. So, mm. that's how I think about it. so have you had to have hard, like, hard conversations? Oh, like, what does that look like? Like, because. Um, I mean, now, my fault, I didn't mean to cut y'all, but now that we kid, Yeah, I don't care. Uh <laughs> <laughs> because you don't have a lot of friends like I have a, a bunch of friends and so I feel like my communication with all of my friends is very different do you think that you have like the same communication with all of your people I think I have the same core of communication the same idea of communication how I 
actually talk to my friends individually, that's going to change. Mm-hmm. So what would change? Like the language? Probably the language, the delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. The language of delivery is like it. It's either I'm going to be like, look, bitch, <laughs> get your shit together. Ooh, I'm your mouth. It's okay. Where it's like, look, I got to I gotta talk to you like you're a toddler and get you to understand that this situation is X, Y, Z. And this is how we going to move forward. I don't know. I feel like I feel like yes, you should communicate differently with people, but I feel like your mission should still be the same. But that's what I was saying. Like at its core, I'm gonna get my point across. Like we gonna get to the core of whatever the situation is, but how we get there is probably gonna change from person to person. Like I can't sit up and be like the way that I would handle a situation with my best friend in 15 years is the way that I'm gonna handle a situation with somebody I've known for three. Okay, so we've been friends for a minute, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I've had friendships for un- like over 10 years and you've had friendships for like over 10 years do you think that over like the years that like your communication with like your longer friends have like like has had to change like oh absolutely it definitely has but I think some of that came from the growth of our friendship too though like it didn't take a negative essence it just took a growth essence like we matured <laughs> we become different people we've experienced different things like one thing that i can say that like a lot of people don't think about so i was raised midwest east coast right mm-hmm. and i moved to the south a lot of my friends ain't really had that experience so the experience mm-hmm. that i've had living in the south and the way that i handle situations the way i talk to people the way that i receive things is way different than i know that any of them have ever experienced from where they're from so like the way that i communicate and talk to them now it's probably a lot different than what it would have been five years ago. Okay, so your friends of five years don't know that y'all have had to learn how to communicate with each other. But what about, like, your friends now? Like, how do you move in? Not even just, like, friendships, but, like, in relationships, too. Like, how do you make sure that, like, their precedent and their communication is still, like, consistent and also useful? Trying to drill me, ain't it? I'm just asking a question. <laughs> I feel like that's a very valid question. Because you're making it sound like you like the master communicator. Well, I will not say that. Mm. I am not the master communicator. Am I an effective communicator? Yes. Am I probably more effective than a lot of people around me? Yes. I didn't see a whole lot of effective communication growing up. And I think that was how I was moving through the world as a young adult. Mm-hmm. And it took some real hard situations and some real uncomfortable conversations with people to realize, like, I can't move like that. Like, I can't think like that. I can't communicate like that. I have to open it up. So after some failed situations, <laughs> um, that's where we ended up. And it was just, it's really more about not being afraid to be honest. Right now, again, delivery is always the biggest thing in how you talk to people, but not being afraid to like tell the honest truth about a situation, express your emotions, talk about what they got going on as well. Like, I think that's the thing. I think that people be like too selfish to effectively communicate. I think so, one thousand percent. But I also think a lot of people just don't know what effective communication looks like. Like, it just is. It's not as common as one would think. So I have, I know somebody who was like, I just want somebody to be honest with me. I just want somebody to be honest with me. And then that man started saying, yeah, I'm going to go fuck this other girl. Well, I, I feel like that's not effective communication. And I feel like that's like toxic honesty. So in that, but see, that's the difference 
right? It, effective communication and honesty, they ride a thin line, I think. Mm -hmm. And whoever was on the receiving end of that information, you got the communication that you was asking for. Now, did you get it the way you wanted? No, but was it honest? Yes. Now, what are you going to do with that information? Are you going to keep smiling in his face and let him go do what he want to do, or are you going to get the hell out of Dodge? Yeah, you got to leave that nigga alone. You know what I'm saying? Let it be. And now, if you're trying to grow in a relationship with somebody, now that's different. If we actively trying to be together, you can't be in my face talking about, oh, I'm about to go fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe he really, like, don't, like, want to be with them. But I think that, I don't know. I think I think that even you having the the sibling layout that you have mm -hmm. affects the way that you communicate too. Like I and I can lay the sibling three off on the other end. <laughs> I have five brothers and that's the sibling layout. I do have a sister. I do have a sister. Mm -hmm. um, I have two sisters actually, but my relationships with my sisters are just now forming in our adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um and they're both stepsisters. So yeah. neither one of them are like but me and your baby. sister talk, and we see eye to eye on a lot of what stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but we see eye to eye on stuff. A very similar foundation of things. So I think yes, we do. See eye to eye is because of that similar foundation. That makes sense to me. I think that if you had more sisters, I think your communication probably—not that it wouldn't be as good. I think it would be a lot different. I, I could agree. I feel like you're I a very blunt know. communicator. Well, I mean, when you, I got no choice, I was. Telling my brothers, nigga, <laughs> get your shit together. Like, it was always, they ain't never give me no time to be soft, if I can be real. So, so do you think that being low-key the oldest child? Low-key the, <laughs> low the oldest child, do you think that that, like, plays a part in, like, how you maneuver? Yes. Um, one, because knowing that you got other people watching you and being an older sister to brothers mm -hmm. is, like, it's it's a it's a lane of its own. Like yeah. you can't you got I kinda was raised with this feeling like I couldn't be soft, like they needed a role model in a sense. But it wasn't like I don't know, like it wasn't like they needed a role model because they was lacking certain things, but I just know moving through this world as a man and a black man at that, like it's just some shit you can't do. So it was me busy trying to make sure they wasn't making those mistakes mm. and that's how we ended up where we are. See, but a lot of my friends are like only children, the youngest child. I don't know how I attract these people because that's not my makeup. Yeah, that's far from it at all. <laughs> like, very far from what you got going on. And so when I communicate with them, it's always like, oh, you're so harsh. Like, you know, you should like soften up the way that you talk, you know, da 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 da. da. But I feel like because you're the only child, you you probably been coddled or a lot or yeah well it's all it's all girls and a boy um the boy is a scorpio so god bless his yeah, heart his <laughs> god bless his heart um, but yes, all girls, and we're very close in age. And so us being close in age means that we're close in school, we're close in dating, we're close in like all of the things. And so what one do, it affects everybody else. So if you fuck it up for one, you kind of fuck it up for everybody. And so we have to have those conversations. It's like, I'm trying to stay out till 2 a.m. So I'm going to need you to get your shit together. I feel like, yeah. close enough in age with my siblings for that to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, my older brother 
know what I'm saying? He's he's my older brother. We mm-hmm. just we don't have that great of a relationship. And then the rest of them are all younger than me. Mm-hmm. So they're all kind of closer age. I have one that's a little close to my age, but we didn't really establish a strong relationship until we was damn near high school, mm-hmm. going into college time. So like the time that we would have been close was kind of missed. So it's like they all younger than me. And they, they was all trying to figure out what you're talking about. Like, man, don't be fucking it up for the rest of us. Yeah. And me being the only girl, it was like. And they boys, so they, they fight each other. And we was girls, so. You know what? But my brothers didn't do a whole lot of fighting. Like, at all, which is crazy. Because when you hear that, especially that many boys, like. But they didn't really do a whole lot of fighting. Really? Not at all. I remember, like, <laughs> I could probably count on my hands, like, how many times I've really seen them fight for real. And I've only ever seen one of my brothers get real mad, like, one time. We from the hood. They still fine right now. <laughs> See, I, can, I mean, you know, but that's another thing too. Like, they didn't get that growth, the foundation that we had. Like me and my older brother, we grew up in a little bit of a rougher, yeah, you know what I'm saying, neighborhood situation like that. My younger brothers, they all grew up in yeah. the suburbs, as folks would say. Now they ain't no hoes now. <laughs> I mean, you ain't gonna act like they some sense or something. But <laughs> they are. They are a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You know. Yeah, so. No, they not. <laughs> Not too shabby. Okay. So, do you think that you've turned into, like, the counseling sister? Like, since you've taken on, like, this older sister role? Or even, like, in your friendships, like, do you think that, like, you've turned into that person that the people call to, like... I think I make myself available to be that person. Mm. Um, And I don't want to say it's because, like, I didn't have that because that's not the case. But I think I see how important it is to have that. And, like... Being the one that somebody can call when they're going through something is just, it can be a lot. It can be a lot sometimes, but I think it'll be more beneficial if you can set some boundaries with it. So, like, mm-hmm. I think that's what I mastered was, like, yes, I will be the open door, open book for y'all, but I also will set these boundaries. And if I don't have the capacity to have this conversation with you and you're not, you know what I'm saying, making this conversation beneficial to me at this time, then I'm not going to have the conversation anymore and I'll talk to you later. As long as you're not ready to go jump off a bridge, you know what I'm saying? Sorry, trigger warning to anybody that may or may not have had any types of experiences like that. But as long as you're not in that headspace, like, I might have to shut it down and set my boundary. And then, you know. I feel like setting boundaries is hard, though. Especially when you care about somebody, like, the way that you care about people. I think so. I mean, it can be. But it's it's something you got to learn. You Mm. know what I'm saying? If you you want to continue to be that person, because part of it is a want. Like, I truly want to make sure that they have somebody like that in their mm-hmm. life. Like, I want to be that person for them. So, while it's a want for me to be there, I also have to understand, like, if I'm getting drained, all right, I got to do something because I can't keep sitting here acting like I'm not exhausted with the things y'all are telling me or the things that y'all are dumping on me. And some things just aren't important, right? Because then when you open that door, you open it. Mm-hmm. So, it's like every little thing that they may or may not be going through becomes a conversation. Yeah. And... It's like, we don't need to talk about this. Know this once right. we talk about it, it's like, let's not talk about it again. Because sometimes you'll be on my phone four, five, six, seven times about the same topic. And it's like, all right, how are we going to get past it? What are we doing to make you progress? Know, like, are we going to keep yeah. about it? Or are we going to figure out what we can do to even move past But do you have that conversation? Absolutely. Do you tell them to go to therapy? You probably hear me tell them you know that's my first thing what did you try to talk to somebody did you call the eap line i feel like as long as you got a job you got somebody that'll listen to you 
That's true. That is pretty true. As, as long as... Yeah, most of them jobs is offering them 10 free sessions at a minimum. They, they are you offering you something. You can stretch them out. <laughs> you get once a month. Yeah. <laughs> I even give you once every two weeks, but you have to hear. So, use your resources. Therapy is so crucial. Oh, I think we'll end there. I think that's great. Now, now, to the fun stuff. I think that was phenomenal. To the fun stuff. You watched the Kevin Hart thing. I watched the Kevin Hart thing. The Kevin Hart? You mean Cat Williams? Dang, I keep saying that. I mean, that's because the Kevin Hart part must have stuck out to you real I, bad. It really did. <laughs> real it bad. really did. It just made so much sense. I and mean, short man. And I watched um, his uh, interview with... Um, I watched Kevin Hart's interview with... Plastic Cup Boys or before? Oh, the old one. The Breakfast Club? No, he did an interview on YouTube with. Um, Recently? Yeah. It can't be Funny Marco, even though that shit was on. It, <laughs> <Funny Marco. laughs> it was with Funny Marco. It was with Funny Marco. Yes. And I talked to one of my best friends. I saw his attitude. My best friend mm-hmm. said that it was just his, his humor. No. I did not gather that. I thought it was all arrogance. It, it was very, yeah, because he wanted it. I think in that media space like all of them have a idea or a way that they want to carry they show and the way that they think that these interviews should go and that's why i love what funny marco does because that man will make you feel as uncomfortable as he possibly can but it's also with a very like humorous element and i think that all he do is like highlight who you truly are because when people are like not all up in your face like oh my god you're doing this oh my god you're doing it then it's kind of like Oh, so you here to talk about that little movie that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's and, and that's the gag because that's really how people talk. Like, yeah. Do all of these fans that y'all got? Man, y'all see that new little movie? Came? Like, we not tripping on you like that. It's you not the color answer, purple. Yeah, like answer the question. It's not question. Renaissance. Like, okay. It's not. It's not Renaissance. I mean, it ain't. I don't even know what the he got a movie. Something he was doing with Dave Chappelle, I think. Whatever he was, that little Netflix special, whatever it was. It's like I could get a Netflix special, like be yeah, more serious. It, I think I think that that was not his best work in that interview. Mm-hmm. Like he was being like he wanted the interview to go how he wanted it to go. Yeah, like Funny Marco had his own agenda. Yeah, that's okay. Like this his show. I just thought it was very off-putting, and in a juxtaposition between that and then. How Cat Williams spoke, I thought that it was very interesting. It makes sense. A lot of them got real small egos, whether they want to admit it. They're small men. Like, I mean, without them being small men, they could be big men. They still got small egos. I mean, you know, accompanied by them egos and some other things. Small things all around. <laughs> That's not my bad. <laughs> okay. Ooh, this is a good one because I know. Oh, yeah, well, you. well, you're a Ravens fan. And so it is projected that God. So conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. about the Super Bowl logo that you told me about. Do you want to explain it to the people? I am not a good re-explainer, but I'm going to try my best. Okay. So the theory is that the two, or that the logo comes out halfway through the season for the Super Bowl. The two colors that are on the logo, they're saying represent the two teams that are supposed to be playing in the Super Bowl that year. I believe for like the last two to three years, it's been accurate. And to dig deeper into the theory, it's like whatever color is closest to the bottom of the logo is the winning team. That part has also held true. Now, the logo that they dropped in the middle of the season this year was purple and red. And in my mind, that was the Ravens and 49ers, like everybody said. That's what the analyst said. And that's what it's going to be. I don't know about the 49ers. Who? <laughs> <laughs> but I do know about the Ravens, for sure. 
and we're gonna be there. So. But now they've dropped another logo. Yeah, but I think it's because I think the moment went viral, and you know we've been joking about like the NFL having a script, and like I think we're about to see a whole shift in media, and this is something that is completely different. But look at all of the things that are starting to be brought to light in all forms of media, like conversations that people would never have are coming to the forefront. So like. They got to keep control of it some type of way. So it's like, all right, let's drop this alternate to kind of shake it up mm -hmm. and throw them off from what we think, is, you know, from what they know is about to happen, mm -hmm. essentially, at this point. But even with the alternate logo, like, I don't care the Ravens are going. They just, <laughs> they they probably just picked another two teams. They I mean, just, they could do whatever they want. Yeah. They probably saw the Ravens in the 49ers game, sorry to my mama, and was like, <laughs> and was like, actually, we don't think that there's going to be as good of a game as we thought that it would be. And so maybe we pick two other teams. Not two other teams, just one other team. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so do you think that the same is true, like, for the NBA? Yeah, I think all that shit got scripts all the way around. Okay. I think, I think there's a narrative every season. Do I think it's as deep as people try to make it? Probably not. But I do think that there is like a little bit of a narrative for how they plan these seasons to go. Because it's, it's money. Like, sports, it's a money game. All of it's a money game. Well, it At is. The day, and with the increase in betting and like legalization of betting across the country, at least for the U.S., I don't know what's going on like anywhere else, but it's like, we're going to try to make as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. We're going to watch games that should have been over for 30 minutes, get dragged on for 30 minutes because yeah. they want y'all to view it longer. Like, Speaking of, game. they did try to rob the Cowboys of a game. How do you feel about that? They typically try to rob us of games. I can't help that. I, I don't know what their motives are. Listen, I hate to shut this conversation down, but I'm telling you, we don't hear talk about the Ravens and the Ravens going to the <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, the Cowboys the Cowboys. They'll be all right. They will be. They, they are probably America's most loved and hated. Yeah. That's part of I just think that sports in America is taking a trajectory for all of the reasons that you said. Sports betting, absolutely. NIL deals in, like, college sports, oh, absolutely. And the fact that fans' involvement due to social media, due to, like, um, just the visibility of players, like with John Morant versus this uh, white man who was, like, doing the exact same thing, like, it's, which is crazy. Which is crazy. It's too prevalent. I don't like that narrative at all because it was the same exact celebration. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. for anybody that don't know, John Moran did a celebration on the court. Some football player, Caucasian man, did the same celebration on the field. The you can call him white on this podcast. I mean, that's fine. I got to protect my own personal brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, they do the same exact celebration and the same exact news outlet reported it, but one of them said that John Moran was shooting in the crowd and the other one was like, oh, it's just a celebration. So it's like, let's not Same with injuries. Yeah, like, let's not run with this negative, you know what I'm saying, connotation towards this situation. Like, that's not cute. Nor is it funny. <laughs> in my eyes. Touche. But to touch on that topic of the way that the media and stuff is getting involved in sports, like the Taylor Swift situation, mm -hmm. crazy to me. No, it's insane to me. We talked about Oh, I'm sorry if y'all already talked about it here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now just go listen to the previous episodes if you want to know my yeah, thoughts on um, Taylor Swift. You know which episode it is? Uh, possibly two three. or three. I think it's three. Thanks. Um, but I think so. I think that sports are going to do its thing. I think that the way that the media is doing its thing, which brings me to the last point, which is leave the world behind, which I mentioned earlier. Okay. I think that the media is going to 
show us things and then kind of like wipe their hands clean with it. But I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I mean, you can say you're not a conspiracy theorist. I think that there's some conspiracy theory in all of it. Like, you kind of have to have the conspiracy theories for any of this to be a thing. It's a couple points that stood out to me and leave the world behind. And the first one is the fact that it was executive produced by the Obamas, right? Like, that nice. is mind-blowing to me. And, like, I know that, especially Barack, like, has a passion for media and music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it's a very telling story, and it's damn near too close to what we really got going on mm-hmm. <laughs> to, like, not make you raise an eyebrow just a little bit. But at the end of the day, like, take it for what it's worth. You know what I'm saying? However you perceive it, I hope you learn something from it and you figure out how we go move forward. And they just stopped selling all of the DVDs in Walmart. Really? Yes. So Boy, if y'all get out there and get these DVDs, <laughs> I'm just saying I still have my D V D player and I have most of my DVDs from college and so Target has a five dollar D V D section. Walmart had one. Well yeah, they used to have bins. Yeah. They should have dropped them hoes for about two fifty, two five out of our bunch. Okay, we're this is where we're gonna stop. Why? I hope that you've enjoyed it. <laughs> have you had fun? I did. It's been great. We've enjoyed having you. Um, this is it. This is all we got. Have fun. Bye, y'all.